Welcome to Protect Your Practice, brought to you by BrightSquid. Let's dig deep into real-world data breaches of patient information. We'll provide practical, expert advice to help you mitigate risk, understand compliance with privacy laws, and safeguard your clinic against all of the privacy and security threats facing healthcare today. All right. Welcome back to Protect Your Practice. I'm your host, Jeff. Uh, with me this week again, we have Rohit Joshi, BrightSquid CEO, a privacy expert who speaks at conferences regularly around the world talking about privacy compliance and technology implementations and, and how we make sure that we're doing it properly. Uh, Ingrid Rise, who has been doing privacy compliance for a few decades, has written over, well, a few thousand at least privacy impact assessments and has been involved in, in things like uh, creating regulations and really understands all of that stuff and, and how to roll it out best within a clinic. In a, in a healthcare environment, and Pierre Fournier, who is a, a business sort of risk management expert, especially in the realm of clinics, um, looking at you know how to best protect that investment that you've got so that you can continue to thrive as an organization within the community. We'll kick things off quickly. The first breach is, is really an interesting one, and this is one we talk about in our training sessions. Ingrid, it's, it's an example that you bring in a lot, but this is publicly available on the internet, as all reported breaches are. Once you suffer a privacy breach and it's investigated, the report goes online for all to see. It comes up when people Google your clinic name. Um, so we're trying to help people avoid that. And Ingrid, do you want to describe what happened in this case? Well, in this scenario, um, a pharmacist went and looked up numerous people within her congregation on Netcare to determine um, who was using uh, birth control. And then this information was later posted on Facebook. So there were numerous violations, as you can imagine. But um, initially, first of all, uh, be aware that everything in Netcare is audited as, and same as on your electronic medical records and that. And part of the diligence on the Netcare team is that when there is an incident or when something is flagged in the audit logs, they do an investigation. So this investigation uncovered numerous people that were inconsistent with um, uh, her line of work. And so therefore, obviously, she was uh, found to be violating net care. So in the, as a result, this was definitely, um, you can't claim that you weren't aware from a training perspective because some of this was a bit of common sense. But there was, um, you know, there was some background to this and there was a lack of awareness but the huge uh, detriment and harm to the clinic was um, just yeah, unrepairable. And then losing your job, your license, you lose your pharmacy license, you study all these years to do something that, you know, this is logical. Don't be looking at other information. You have no right to access this. Well, uh, you know, so, so just to, to jump in here, we, we see, you know, if you look at the breaches that we tend to talk about tend to highlight. As Ingrid said, you know, this is this this is sort of a training issue. Except I think this is just curiosity. Like some level of curiosity that in this case is quite damaging. But we've got another report that just came out from the OIPC and the Privacy Commissioner um, about a similar case of curiosity where, you know, a, an individual who had authority and access to um, uh, medical records, you know, photocopied their relatives who accessed the same clinic. And so if you start to look at, you know, what is that curiosity? How do you, how do you protect against that? Well, part of it's training. I think there's probably more value in talking about the consequences of doing that by the employer. You 
know, by the organization where that person goes to work and says, this will result in this and this and this and this. And honestly, how does the pharmacy recover from and how do they, Pierre, how do they recover? Do they? Can they? Yeah, you know what? Most of the time, they, they don't. You know, the good practices I see take time. People is a third, 40% of your cost inside. When people are trained and motivated, when I call some clinics, and sorry, today we're, we're closed for half of the day for training. That's what you want to see, yeah. right? It's the biggest asset you have. Mm-hmm. And yes, people, you know, I've always said there, there's, there's no bad people. There's a lot of people in the wrong position. But give them the tools, give them some motivation, and then the results are often incredible. So that's a clear element that there's a bit of free-for-all as pertains to norms and yeah. guidelines. And you have to have some level of procedures, right? So uh, yeah. successful clinics do have procedures. I'm sorry, right? It might be time-consuming, but it prevents these elements from possibly yeah. happening. Yeah, risk mitigation strategies. It's all part of it, right? You Training guidelines, absolutely. Yeah. And so the next one touches on that kind of, but it's more it's more a story about the big risks of like what is really on the line here. And we kind of touched about that, but this is a, a clinic in Alberta suffered a ransomware attack. Um, we see more and more and more of that. And you know, I've said this before: we don't go anywhere, we don't talk to clinics in a, in a large room where a couple don't come up to us and say, "We had an attack. We got hit with ransomware." And we know there are dozens in Alberta. Um, and, you know, you go beyond that across Canada, it's hundreds, across the U.S., it's thousands on a regular basis. So um, this particular one, the virus gets in, it's not noticeable. If you're not scanning properly, you're not paying attention, somebody clicks on the wrong link, it's there for months, and it learns everything that's valuable and it shuts it down. So in this case, we have a clinic that lost 90% of the patient data. Pierre, how do you operate after that? What do you do? You, you, you can't. It's it, it just it's the death of it. I think that there's been opportunities, maybe more in the U.S., but it's happening now more and more in Canada to see that. So the consequences are enormous, right? So we, we as I said, the times have changed, our interconnectivity, um, the people on the web who have great creative intelligence, not used in the right way, continues to skyrocket. But the consequences are major, right? It might not happen to you, but chances are with the way it's accelerating, it will happen to you. Mm-hmm. So it has to be foremost in your plans, in your mind. What are the consequences of me getting encrypted, shutting down my business, reporting it, and then having people erode in time to say, well, you know, if my data is available on the Internet, what what's that to me? Yeah. I, I want somebody who can care about me, but also has a bit more security that I can trust and I can sleep at night. You know, when I when, when I first heard about this case, um, it reminded me of a couple of things. One is the need for professional IT help, um, uh, organizations that are dedicated to kind of making sure that all of this is done. Where it really hit this organization was, first of all, around the scanning of the systems. But the second place it really hit them was the backups weren't working. In this case, actually, the, they may have been locked up. Um, as well, because it just wasn't done properly. The, the system that was used for backup wasn't done properly. Yeah. And in fact, when when um, the, the, the statistics show that twenty percent of all backups don't work, and and it's it's I've heard this from a backup company actually, because what happens unfortunately is the logs show that the backup has worked, but for whatever reason, whether that be damaged media or something else that's going on. What shows up is a failure, ultimately, that that information can't be recovered. So in addition to kind of having an IT, professional IT group that's managing this, 
The other piece of it really would be try to restore once every quarter or once every six months even. Go through the motions of saying, okay, if we lost all of our data, how would our backups actually work? And it's an important exercise that should be done on a weekend by somebody that is skilled in this. And you'll find out pretty quickly. Can you recover if everything went upside down? I, I agree with Rowan. I think the minimum of having a backup is important. But I think as they get more clever, these dormant bugs yeah. stay there for a while. So you probably, if you don't see it, it will back up on the backup. That's correct. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's a must, but more and more of these guys are getting sophisticated. So you need something more than just a backup. It, it's a minimum. But as I said, they get more sophisticated and this dormant kind of bugs. They pop back up. So then, Ingrid, what's like regulatory wise, what's going on here? Well, I mean, the bottom line is you need to be proactive. Like train your staff, make sure your staff know what not to be clicking on, what not to do, and be aware of this. And then, I mean, once it's done, it's done. It's, it's terrible. And it'll, odds are, it'll close a lot of the practices that are affected. But, uh, yeah, the key to this is training and awareness. If you are aware not to click on these things, that'll at least mitigate some of the risk. Yeah. Well, and the big implication here now, like across North America, is mandatory breach reporting, right? Because this this requires notice. Yeah. And, you know, I think from all of our perspective, especially for you, this is the reputational damage. The recovery from this is pretty massive. Yeah. It's, it's almost non-existent, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the, the last one I want to talk about, it talks about website, and we talk more. You know, Pierre, you were just talking about, you know, as we get more digital, you have to move that way. You have to follow the trends. You have to keep up with with the industry and technology. But you know, in this case, the website information there was accessible. You were talking, I think, last week about uh, you know websites open and just taking patient information. What, what are the implications here of this not being protected? Yeah, I mean, I think if we look at it from a, a small entrepreneur standpoint, or or a you know, a, a practice owner. They're trying to compete with much larger practices that, that do have professional web teams. And part of those is trying to be more available to their customers. Online booking. Uh, online intake of their uh, um, personal information and so on. Um, I can't count the number of times that we've looked at that and found that those that information is held unsecurely on a server that is accessible, and it's it's uh, it's it's hard to break the news because someone has invested real time and energy and money, and feels like it's a competitive necessity to do so. But the way that it was executed was uninformed, right? And so part of that happens when we do a, a privacy impact assessment. We try to understand what levels of technology are sitting inside a practice. When we come across these, you know, homegrown websites to for patient intake that are absolutely the wrong thing to do because that information is easily obtainable. So then what do we do? Like what what's happening with this case like in this kind of scenario? Well, I agree hundred percent with Road. I mean a, a valuable step is to have that PIA. It'll find some of those vulnerabilities, do a risk assessment. Get a, a decent IT firm. I mean it might cost a little more, but for the protection It'd be worth it. That's great. So um, thanks again, guys, for sitting down with us today and having this chat. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Protect Your Practice. We are uh, we're going to tune out for now. We'll be back next week with more information. But in the meantime, remember, do the right thing. Don't 
don't access information inappropriately. Know how you can and should access information. Protect your practice with proper IT procedures. Make sure everything is secure. Make sure you understand collection, use, and disclosure regulations and, and how that's being done in your practice from, from how you talk to patients at the front desk to how you send and receive information and how it's stored. Um, so thanks again. This is Jeff Tunioff from uh, Protect Your Practice. Thanks for listening to Protect Your Practice, brought to you by BrightSquid. For a regular dose of privacy insights and tips, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd be honored if you left us a five-star review and shared this episode with your colleagues. Find out how you can get expert privacy compliance support at brightsquid.com and click Privacy Compliance.